Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. I'm joined by my good mate, my mucker, Gunnar Hilsey, Trev, uh, Alex, Danish Gunnar, and Big T. Uh, and Big T will even give us a song at some point. Uh, in this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk all things Arsenal. We're going to talk uh, the West Ham game, look ahead to the Brighton game uh, and have a little bit of debate about Eddie and uh, just key games coming up in January. Um, before we do start, though, um, it, we've just had the very sad news just before uh, this uh, we, we went live that um, uh, one of the best footballers ever to grace this earth, uh, Pele, has just passed away at age 82. Uh, he won three World Cups with Brazil. The first one was 17. In 58, 62 and 70, I think, there were, if the, if the dates remember me right. Trev, memories of Pele? Yeah, got good. I can remember Pele as a young kid. 1970 in particular, when it, we thought England were going to had a great chance of um, keeping the World Cup, but uh, he, he was brilliant then, and he was, he was. I never seen him play a bad game, from what I remember. He was my dad's favourite, Ferg, my dad's all-time favourite, and uh, it's a very sad loss because not only is he was he a great player, possibly the best ever. He was a great man and a great ambassador for the sport. There was ne- you never heard any scandal about Pele. Like you hear scandal about all footballers and all that at the time. Not all footballers, but many, many. And you've never heard anything like that about Pele. He's just been a gentleman, a great man of our sport. And it's it's a sad loss, mate. Mm. Tony, anything to add on that? No, just similar to what Trev says, whatever your thoughts are um, on who is or isn't the greatest footballer of all time. I think, you know, he's an absolute legend of the sport and, you know, one of the true greats. Yeah, Alex, myself, I'm probably that little bit too young and uh, I, I do remember and recall Pele, but I didn't see the 1970 World Cup because I wasn't even born. But even you and your, your, your youthful age uh, know the legacy that uh, Pele has left and it's sad news. Definitely, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, listen, um, we've had the international break. There was uh, international with the World Cup. There was... Um, with friendlies, preseason friendlies, and so on, and, and we done qu- uh, quite well in the preseason friendlies. But one in particular um, that was uh, very, very hard work because uh, I had to sit with this guy to my uh, that side there. I had, to, I had to sit with him, drinking beer, and the man, the man's actually broken me because I'm I'm drinking zero percent uh, Heineken right now because since um, since this episode, I'll, I'll I'll give you the background, okay? So um, we got in at three thirty. The kickoff was at six. Uh, there was free beer for the first hour, or not free beer, but cheap beer for the first hour. So Trevor hadn't, it was like a man possessed. He got his first pint. We're all about this far down his pint, and he's at the bottom of his pint going, come on, lads, I'll get another one in. And then he's, we're again down here, not even finished our first pint, and he's nearly near the bottom of his second pint. You've gone, we've got 27 minutes before this sofa finishes. So the result of that was this table hey. just got filled up with more and more and more beer. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't... Funny I was sometimes you can move to the bar quicker than others. It is. It is really, really hilarious. Honestly, I've never seen him move so quick in his life. And the only time I've seen him move that quick when he dropped a quid on the floor. And honestly, he was like ninja then. <laughs> Um, we, we had an absolutely fantastic uh, time. There was uh, there was um, Ed Seaborn, obviously Capo there, Terry, my brother, and uh, later on Darren and Ruth Beck uh, came to join us. It's like it's like a rose between two thorns there, Trevor. Eh? What do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. We didn't get the old Jabellies in warning for that one, did we, folk? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, ap- apparently, black is slimming, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, but it, it, it was it was bloody it, it was it was freezing cold. We didn't see very much football at all, actually. And uh, we, we we had probably about seven or eight pints in before the game started. Uh, we went out and uh, saw about twenty minutes of football and went, "This is bloody cold. Let's go and get a beer before half time." Then half time happened, so we had a couple more beers. And we went back and saw about ten more minutes of the game. Um, and people will have seen on on the Facebook page the result of that copious amounts of alcohol. Uh, myself and Trevor having a chat in my lounge <laughs> later that evening when Trevor was uh, well watered. That's all I'd say. But <laughs> what are you talking shit for? I don't know about talking that time. I could hardly talk full stop, mate. 
but this was us uh, outside uh, the, by the Tony Adams statue. I quite like that picture. Don't, I don't know how long our arms are, but I, somebody stretched me out or something like that. But yeah, it was oh, bloody freezing. Is that, is that Father Christmas in that picture? <laughs> it is. It is. It's either that or a fisherman. <laughs> now, now my job's done for a year. I've had a trim. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So, uh, Trev, you said your internet's not great. It's it's all right at this end. So you're coming through okay. Um, so we'll we'll carry on from there. Let's look at the the, the um um the West Ham game. So before the West Ham game, I got a I got a, a text from from Trevor. God, I'll oh, do us a favour, mate. Uh, can you pick us up? Um, a couple of a uh, couple of pin badges. There's these special pin badges. He sent me the link on Twitter. I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. Pick them up. I walk up and I go, I'll have um, a pin badge, uh, three pin badges, please, mate, because you've got to buy a program with each one. I said, well, I'll, I'll have a program and uh, three pin badges. He said, no, you've got to buy a program with each one. I said, right, I'll have two pin badges and two uh, two programs. They're Trevor's. 14 quid. The, 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 honestly, the club know how to rip people off. 14 quid for a bit of plastic. And 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 program that nobody ever reads. Well, Trevor puts them in a, in, in the loft. You owe me fourteen quid, mate, and I'm charging a handling fee as well. well. I'm selling one. I've already sold one of them badges for fifteen quid, so I'm I'm quids in. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, right. So we've been unbeaten all season in the Premier League. Uh, actually, unbeaten at home since April 20, uh, 2022, April this year. So we were going into this game in a, in a rich form of uh, rich vein of form. And also uh, thinking about it, we we did have that six week hiatus um, where uh, the the World Cup was on. So were you worried, Tony, that we'd go into this game and maybe you know we might be a bit rusty or or anything like that? Uh, not so much rusty. It's just that because it was such a unprecedented situation. Obviously, the World Cup break being during the season, I think that every fan of every club was just a little bit wary of how their team was, especially those at the top and, and in good form, i.e. the Arsenals, the Newcastles, the Man Cities, etc., how they were going to come back. But as soon as the players, or as soon as Mikel done his, um, one of his uh, uh, interviews uh, in the friendly, and he said, there's not one player that wants to take a break. They're all coming back early. It just gave me that, I don't know, it just it just sums up Arsenal at the moment. There's a real hunger and desire, belief, togetherness. Um, the attitude's absolutely spot on and a, an absolute far cry, a million miles away from what it's been in recent seasons. Everything that's, that's been wrong with Arsenal, the latter stages of Wenger's years, the tenure, you know, the Unai Emery where certain players, um, you know, threw him under the bus. It's just a, it's just an absolute far cry and it's just a pleasure that you've got these players that are just hungry to play and it ain't even about the winning or losing, Ferg. We've always said it's just about having a bit of pride in the badge, representing the Arsenal on and off the pitch. And everything they're doing at the moment, you know, on and off the pitch, as in staff, players, coaches, they're doing that. And we can't ask for more. Um, and Monday's performance just summed everything up that's, that's going right for us at the moment. It's just, like I say, it's just an absolute joy to be an Arsenal fan currently. And long may it continue. And, and you talk about everything uh, working uh, off the pitch. I'm going to show you a video now of what's happening Sorry, on, on the pitch, what's happening off the pitch um, with the support, the atmosphere within the stadium, the atmosphere outside the stadium. This is coming down from past the the, 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 the Tollington under the bridge on Stroud Green Road. Just take a moment and watch this. Trev, while we've got that on in the background uh, for people to watch and, and listen to a little, um, what do you make of that? What do you think the young lads are doing there? Like, they established in 2019 the Ashburton Army and they're going from strength to strength to strength. 
Very short on Jim. Leave, lad. Yes, mate. My internet's breaking up. Sorry, folks. Yeah, first, it's going to be a really good night because I've already agreed with uh, what the big fellas said about the game, the performance. But I love this. I, you know, people have been saying, oh, look at them. It's embarrassing. Well, it's not embarrassing. What was embarrassing was the fact that the Emirates had no atmosphere. It, it admittedly it didn't have the players that were going to create much of an atmosphere, but it had no atmosphere that was going to lift our players to win games. And these boys took the ball by the horn and, and they've created an atmosphere. And it, the atmosphere is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every game. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. And, and, and let's hope they just keep getting bigger and uh, lifting our players. I mean, they're all, all the players and Mikel are, are mentioning in their interviews about the atmosphere. And how good it is, and how how they feel it when they're on the pitch. So this is this is a hundred percent brilliant, and uh, long may it continue, and may just get bigger and bigger. Good luck to them. Yeah, Alex, you're out in Europe, and you get some of this probably up in in Denmark and stuff. But also, you've been to many European games. Uh, how does this come across to you? You're a young guy as well, so you've got a different view on it. Yeah, I absolutely love it, and I thought it was about time that we see some of this in England as well. And I think what we've seen is it just carries into the stadium as well. And eventually, I think they're going to be like the focal point in the stadium and it's just going to spread around in the stadium. And it's just going to get louder and louder because that's what I've seen in Copenhagen with their um, with their ultras. So it just spreads around in the stadium and it's just going to get louder and louder. But yeah, I absolutely love it. Hmm. Tony, um, you know, Ten years ago, you'd been in there with the middle of them. Maybe twenty years ago, maybe you'd be in the middle with them, wouldn't you? <clears throat> Off, um, yeah, I, I definitely would have been in there, mate. And I just, I think it's a breath of fresh air. Someone just put a comment. Um, I'm finding the criticism that they're getting from rival fans ludicrous, embarrassing, cringy, whatever you want to call it. Jealousy. And do you know what the best thing is? Is the more people hate on us, the closer we're becoming as a whole club. And our, Mikel Arteta said in his very, very first interview, press conference, that he needed to get everyone back on side. And and, and he has done. Fans, it, silly things like the club just listening to fans. But something so basic and simple has gelled and glued this club together. And the players, the fans, everyone's just thriving off each other. And you, you can't ask for more. And whatever happens this season, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, going to home games ain't just a chore anymore. You know, just meeting up your mates for a beer. You know, everyone wants to get to the ground early because the atmosphere inside the ground before the game is, is immense. And for all the criticism, it's unbelievable and it's helping spur this team on. And as I said, said to you earlier, just long may it continue. Yeah, and even even what Dan, and, and with a little bit of help from myself, but Dan is very recognisable in, in black, block five, block six, now with his flag on his back. Capo's a one-man band. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what, he doesn't have to get a few going and, and he's doing all right and there's a 20 minute window or so that that place rocks before a game and, and people are walking in and they're fired up and the first 20 minutes or so in, inside the stadium, in, in in the actual bowl of the stadium, you're going in and it is noisy and it's intimidating for fans coming out. But Fergie, it's not, not just, a, it's not just for the big games, is it anymore? It's even for the small, the so-called no, it's every games, game. you know, like mid-table games and, and bottom half teams and that's not being disrespectful to them but We've never really been able to generate that noise unless it's against one of the big, big boys. You know, your Man United, your Chelsea, right. your Tottenham's, etc. But now you're going in and, as you just said, it's, it's not quite a cauldron, but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly getting to that stage where, you know, if we can keep continuing, then who knows? Yeah, I think the West Ham game was slightly different because it was a, a mixture of a fan base. It was, it was like half Premier League, half like Cup game because of the train strikes and and the late kickoff and Boxing Day and so so people did move tickets on and move around and give them to family and stuff like that. But let's talk about the game itself. So the lineup we had with Ramsdale and goal, and I think for me, um, this is uh, the lineup that we're going to have uh, probably to the end of February at least. Uh, Ramsdale and goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Tierney. Uh, then we had Party and Shaka, Odegaard in midfield, Saka Martinelli and Eddie Nketiah up top. We will talk about Nketiah and some of the other players because they're all outstanding throughout of it. Um, Alex, talk me through the lineup. Uh, were you pleased with the lineup? Can you see any old, uh, variations that would go on in this? Yeah, I think the only variation I'd see is uh, Sinchenko coming in for Tierney. Um, but I think, like you said, that's the lineup we're going to see um, for the most of the games until February, uh, until Jesus comes back. 
But um, yeah, I was I was happy about the lineup. The strongest strongest eleven we could put bar maybe Sinchenko if he was ready. Uh, I, I think I don't know if he'll come in for the next game uh, against Brighton, but we'll see. Hmm. Uh, Trevor, um, Tierney or Sinchenko? Who's who's further up the pecking order in your view? Like who's the better player? They're both quality players and both different well, types of players. But who? It who appeared would you have? before we went into the World Cup break that uh, he was favouring Zinchenko, wasn't he? But you hmm. can make the case for either of them. I don't panic with if either of them are in the side. It's, it gives me a smile. It gives me a smile when I look right down our team, Fergus. So. Who's the better player? They've they've both got their strengths in different ways, Tierney and Zinchenko, but they're both very, very good players who who, are, who who only improve our side when they play. So no problem with either of them, mate, me. Yeah. And um the game was was uh was quite it was like quite a, a hectic game uh, in the first half. We talked about this just briefly before we went online on uh, on air. Um, like the first half, we dominated, but we didn't. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we capitulated to a penalty, but we didn't. We didn't take anything from that dominance. And in the second half, we came out and we were far more dominant. Let's break down the game itself. So, if we look at five minutes in, Tony um, Saka, uh, the offside goal that came off Saka's heel, a little bit harsh. Them's the rules, I know, but you know that would have been a beautiful goal. Four minutes in for Eddie to get 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 off. Um, Get off the on a flying start. Yeah, I mean it'd be good for Eddie to get off to a flying start, considering it was Saka that scored. But um, <clears> you know, it was, I, I, you it was, know, it was Saka. I don't want to correct you. If we haven't got a host that knows his knowledge, can we? You know, the old sub. Eddie was involved. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I don't like the rules, but I understand the decision. But what a spot from the linesman! How, whether he's got lucky or not, Harry's seen that with the naked eye. Because I don't think anyone else did. Obviously, he's shown that he did take a touch, but it's that's some again whether it's guesswork or not. But he's got the decision right. But I just thought after that moment we was really going to kick on, and I thought we was going to put West Ham to the sword. Um, as the game went on, another five ten minutes, I said to to, to George, I said, oh, I just hope it's not going to be one of those games where West Ham because they literally had everybody behind the ball, and I thought that their yeah. whole their whole setup was built around getting a free kick or. You know, getting a corner and just using one of their big men to, to knock it in. Um, but I must admit, even when they got the penalty, I wasn't really concerned. I just felt that we were playing really, really well. Um, you know, there was a, there was about a two-minute spell at half-time when we were talking amongst the group. And they were like, oh, is this going to be one of those games where you expect to win? You're playing really well. West Ham sticking 11 men behind the ball. They've come here and nicked the goal. And I did think, you know, I, I'm panicking because we've had such a blistering start to the season. Let's not throw it away now. Obviously, you then come the second half, and it's just it's an unbelievable performance, yeah. and it's it's a show of character, mental Trev, strength, attitude. Trev, um, what did you make then of um, Tony's type of moved into like we're about sixty minutes into the game now, uh, but I'm I'm still back at about twenty six minutes. Um, the uh, the opening twenty twenty five minutes we dominated, uh, and the one really attack that West Ham had, um, Bowen was taken down. Um, what did you make of that penalty? How how clear did you see it? You're watching from home, so how clear did you see it? And it was it was a modern day penalty, Fergus. I thought it, there wasn't a lot in it, but that they, they're given, so that yeah, they're given, and you take it on the chin because honestly, I, I thought even if they score this penalty, we are playing. I in in the first half an hour, I thought we are playing that well, we will not lose this game. Even when we had the penalty, even when they had the penalty and scored, and we went in half time one nil down, I thought we will win this. Now, I thought we were, I thought we were playing really well. We mentioned rust in this earlier. Um, I, I didn't think we showed much of that. Maybe in front of goal, maybe, but I thought we just grew into the game, and I knew that our young lads would 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 pull us back into it. I thought that Eddie put, was putting in much more of an effort, and, and at half time. I take it up to half time. I was I was thinking to myself, Eddie, you're doing really well, but you need a goal. Otherwise, you're going to have these people on your back again. You please come and score a goal in the second half. Otherwise, these people are just going to say, "Why is he there?" And um, I know we're going to go into the second half in a minute, folks. So I won't dwell on it. But he didn't let us down, did he? None of them let us down. They did. I no, not like the not like the team of a few years ago when we went to goal down. That was the end of it. We might as well go home. No way. Well, that, there that, was no that, way. We that was 
that I think is what Tony alluded to at halftime that that previously, a bit like Southampton away, which we drew, uh, previously we wouldn't have drawn that game. And in this game, gone 1-0 down to what was quite a physical uh, West Ham, especially once it went 1-0 up. Uh, Alex, you mentioned to me in, in some of the notes that you were talking about, the way once we were 1-0 down, the atmosphere that came across on the TV and the way they, the, the fans got behind. And they've done this all season. If we have gone one down, the, the, the crowd don't go, oh, bloody hell. They don't. They go, Arsenal. And they go and go. Did, what did you think of that? And what did you think of West Ham's physical approach leading up to like halftime? Yeah, I think um, I think it was a bit of rustiness we saw from Saliba because, of course, he, he hadn't really played all World Cup. Um, so that was his first proper game in a long time. So I think that was a bit of a rustiness, um, the penalty he conceded there, because that was a, you don't do you don't do slide tackles like that in the in the box. Um, but um, so w- what else did you say? Oh, the physical approach. Yeah, the, the, I, I think the, we had physical approach. Yeah, I think we we had a bit of a difficulty dealing with it uh, in the beginning of the game because um, they were. I mean, that was some tough tackles they put in. I think Declan Rice. That was. One of the first tackles in the game, he slaughtered Martinelli, um, and they kept going like that. I think Martinelli, he had like three, four uh, big tackles on him. I was, I was afraid he was going to uh, get hurt, uh, but um, but they got. I think they got two yellows as well. Um, so that was a clear game plan from them. They were they were trying to to um, go hard on us, but I think as the game progressed, we we sort of dealt with it better and and. Um, passed us through the the lines and um got um got out of it hmm. um the, the only other, other point of talk about the, the first half was the disallowed penalty now for you guys at home you would have seen the var much quicker than we did uh and i yeah. think var somebody in this in 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 the stadium tony uh cocked up because they showed us the very tail end of it and i've since seen it and i do agree that var got it right it did hit his head it was a floppy hand on front of his face um but the reaction in the, in, in the stadium, Tony, was like, it, you can understand why they don't show it sometimes now. Yeah, I must admit, I sort of moved downstairs onto the concourse to get a beer. Um, it was literally the last kick of, of the first half and everybody was screaming for a penalty. So we've all rushed, obviously, watching the TVs and, you know, from first view, and it, it looks, it looks uh, you know, I think it's the, the angle from behind Odegaard. It looks like it is a penalty. But as soon as you see the replay where... Um, sort of Michael Oliver's view is, is clearly um, headed the ball, and you know, like it or not, and obviously from a from just a footballing fan, that the VAR got it right. They called over Oliver. I mean, I'm not quite sure why they needed to call Michael Oliver over, though. Surely someone can make that decision. It's as clear as day that it's at his head. I, th- you know, I think the, just the ultimate decision is it is a waste of time. But the ultimate decision is with the referee. So the referee is called a penalty, and VAR sent to him. You've got this wrong, Michael. You need to go and look at it and overturn it. And uh, so yeah, that I, I do understand what you're saying, but there's some but, decisions but, but like I th- that. I think I think it's just a, it's just a charade. As soon as they come along and say, "Go and look at the screen," he knows. Oh, I fucked up here. I need to I need to change my decision. And that's, that's I've only fine. seen one. I've only I'm seen one referee. That, I've only seen one referee stick by the decision, and that was for Arsenal, and that was Mike Dean. Um, uh, every other referee has gone to the screen in the main has stuck by the uh, decision. And I've got no problem with just as long as there's consistency. If the job for the VAR is to say, look, ref, we think you've got it wrong or we think you've missed a decision, please come and have a look. And if the referee's job is to make that final decision, fine. That's down to him. But just have some level of consistency. I mean, if if that's that's the the rule that the referee's got to go over and he's got to make the decision, then fine. But um, I just thought it was a bit of a wasted wasted trip for Oliver. It's as clear as day as he's head. Um, Let's get Arsenal getting in half-time and um, let Mikel have a talk to the players. Absolutely. Trev, there's no need to go into any more detail on that. I think we've talked about the the opportunity to compromise the game uh, more times than not about VAR and our opinion on VAR. It's nice when it works, but it doesn't always work correctly. Uh, second half, uh, we come out all guns blazing, keeping up intense pressure. Um, but, you know, we're a lot more decisive around the box. What I was saying to you, or trying to say to you before we went on air, is that in the first half, it felt like we had Velcro stuck to our ankles. And when we got to the 18-yard line, we couldn't get that decisive ball in to get an opportunity to score a goal. In the second half, that got much, much better. Trevor, talk me through uh, the start of the second half leading up to the first goal. West Ham were blown out of the water. 
They were indeed. They were blown out of the water in in a big way. In a big way, yeah. they were blown out of the water. They were second to every ball, and and I, my, I actually I was jaw droppingly happy with it. I've not seen a half of football like that for for all season for a couple of years. I just thought we just didn't put a foot wrong, right from the back. I've got to mention him now because I was so excited by him. I know Odegaard had a great game, right? But I thought of Ben White, particularly when he got a bit more confident and started coming forward. I thought he was he was my man of the match, Ben White. And that ball he put through for that goal was sublime, you know? It was absolutely sub sublime. I could talk all night about that second half, and I won't. I'm, I'm going to let the other lads get stuck into it a bit. But I just over the moon with it. That, that second half, just to sum up what I'm saying, right? That second half of football, I was thinking to myself, I've still got my doubts if we can win the league, right? Let's be sensible. Let's be sensible. Got doubts if we can win the league. But then I thought, if we can match that second half performance against West Ham, if we can keep someone near that level, we're in with every chance. Every chance. We were that good. Alex, did you have blinkers on yeah. like that? I mean, it was just crazy seeing when they came out. Uh, West Ham couldn't couldn't get the the ball out of the out of their own box, um, and yeah, we just kept kept pressuring them. And then the difference was the decisiveness when we came in and around the box. It was, um, I'm sure Arteta would have told them during the half time that uh, he wanted them to get more finishes on goal. Um, but it was funny. The first half kind of reminded me when we were struggling under uh, the period when uh, Wenger was there, when we would. Uh, just pre put pressure on the box, but uh, but never be able to um, get yeah. goals and finish. It was like we wanted to walk the walk the ball uh, over the line, um, and then yeah, as soon as uh, the second half began, we just saw a difference. And um, uh, Odegaard taking a shot resulted in uh, Saka getting the first goal. Alex, well, that the, the Alex, pure Alex. the pure build up for that the pure build up from that was Ben White. It was. It was, but Alex, you've got to learn about the way this game's played, young man. You know what I mean, right? That Odegaard, right? He pretended he was shooting, right? So they all turned their backs. When yeah, I'm not. I'm not that, sure on that one. I'm not sure. And he slips off the outside of his foot. Brilliant pass. Look at it that way, Alex. I, w I want. I want to think gone. there was a pass. I want to think it was a pass, but I'm not sure. He, he dummied so, it to so shoot. Swung. He the did it a couple of times in the first half. To be fair. Uh, so, well, so yeah. Trevor is adamant that that was an intentional pass, and he was passing the ball out in the region of the corner flag for Saka to get it and cut in <laughs> and, and and score a goal. Tony, Fair play uh, how did you see it? <laughs> I see it that we got a, a tad little bit of luck that we probably deserved that we we're starting to make for our own. The pressing, the intensity, all great teams have a little bit of luck. You can't be great every single week uh, and win titles, trophies. Um, it, like, it's a shot, but you could look at it like Trev says, it's the greatest pass of all time. And who cares? Saka takes a, an unbelievable first touch and, and just gives Fabianski the eyes and we score and we're back in it. There's a couple of points to that goal, um, which for me is really, really no, no, noticeable. Um, when Saka scores, not one person goes and celebrates. Saka picks that ball up, tells everyone to run and the whole team are already back at the halfway line. There's a, just a difference in mentality. Um and tenacity and eagerness and desire in this team. You know, a few years ago, we, we got back to 3-3 free free at, uh, I think, Bournemouth, and you had people like Drew prancing around in the corner flag. You know, you've now got people that are, they want to get that ball and they want to go again. They don't, they're they not happy just to get comebacks and draws. They want to win the game. And look what happened within the next 10 minutes. We've scored another two goals and we're 3-1 and it's, it's game, set and match. That, that there is just another noticeable point in, the, in this team. But also the pressing. You touched upon Ben White. Ben White, I mean, if you're Gareth Southgate, what a prick you must be. What a prick you must be. <laughs> ben White is unbelievably underrated. He, I, I get England have got a, a good selection of right-backs. I, I get that. It's probably their strongest position. But when you've got donkeys like Maguire, and I'm sorry, for, for as good as he may have done in the World Cup, whatever, when push comes to shove with Jura in that winning goal, he was nowhere to be seen because against the big boys, he will get found out. Ben White is just... Even if he did pack up and say, you know, what's the point in being here? I'm not getting a chance. I'd rather be at home on a beach with Miguel and all back with Mikel Arteta. Who cares? It's, it's, it's to Arsenal's benefit. You know, it's just, he's such an underrated player. And, you know, when you, you've got um, 
Odegaard, who's got all the touches and the technical ability of um, Mesut Ozil, dare I say it. But the work rate of like Angola can take. The bloke just does not stop running. You've got a young man who, mate, he's not the loudest captain in the world, but by God, does he lead by example. You've got Martinelli lost the ball just, in the, just inside his own half, and he's tracking back to the 18-yard box to win it back. That's the desire and hunger we've got in this team now. And it's just an absolute pleasure to watch week in, week out. Yeah, no. To be honest, the, the, the connection and the, the the focus of of the players, as you said, to run straight back and go right. We're running back in the game. We need to we need to win the game. Still, uh, was clear to see. And then Martinelli, what was it? Um, three four minutes later, uh, comes up and takes an audacious an audacious shot at, at goal. The, the, some could say Fabianski was at fault to not cover his near post well enough, but. Martinelli was brave enough, Alex, to to take that shot. Yeah, it just shows the confidence he has at the mo- uh, at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think I think uh, Fabianski owned us owed us a couple of um, goals from when he was at Arsenal. So I was happy that that went in. But um, it just yeah, you could just tell we were building. And I think West Ham was shaking the pants um, when we scored that goal because they thought, "Fuck, they're going to come for us again," and we just kept on going. Um, and yeah, it was just a brilliant goal, and uh, the stadium erupted, and you could hear it through the telly. I wish it was there when when that goal was scored. The, the, the stadium went mad, but one section of the stadium emptied like you know, like uh, the, the biggest fire drill going. All the West Ham fans, even a lot, went even at one one uh, because they knew the way Arsenal were playing. What Trevor talked about earlier as well. Um, they knew the Arsenal were in town, and the Arsenal were ready to play a football. I'll tell you um, what, Declan Rice doing packed up these bags when uh, Bakayo Saka absolutely bodied him in that middle, not once but twice. It was embarrassing how yeah. small Saka is, and he bodied him. And Declan Rice must have felt He's so strong. What's the point? What's the point? This Arsenal were in free flow, and obviously that's where the game, uh, the goal comes from, isn't it? Because when that ball's there to be won, Declan Rice goes up for the header, and Saka just bodies him. Yeah, and he barges him think, off the ball. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be what two or three stone in difference in weight, plus about six inches in height. You know, plus just body mass. Uh, you know, it's it's it unreal. Comes back to desire uh, Trev, again, though. It does, it does. And and Trev, I'm going to put this on. It's only a few seconds because we we uh, it's the third goal, and I want to talk about this. And I was, uh, you know, where I am. I'm I'm on the corner of block five, and I was watching Eddie because only a few minutes beforehand, after I saw what Martinelli did, and I had been saying to people. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not slagging Eddie off, but I was coming along and said, no, Eddie has got all the skills because he wouldn't be at this level as a footballer if he didn't have the skills. He's hail end. He, he's, he's a really talented player, but he looks a bit slight and he looks like he's a little bit too nice. He needs a little bit of street, a little bit of Ian Wright, a little bit of Martinelli about him. I thought that's what he needed. And I, I come along, I said to somebody in front of me, I said, there you go. Look, that's what Martinelli's done. That's what Eddie needs to do. And I constantly, con- uh, consciously started watching Eddie more intensely and I saw him check his left, check his right, roll his defender and score the goal and I went I'll take it all back. Let's have a look and then you talk to me Trev Ben White Edgar and Ketty a lovely turn super finish, validation Trev He made you smile because he's shown us a new trick in his book, and he? He, he, I've not seen him do that before. And and he's rolled the defender and just left him for dead, and and finished it wonderfully. And it just just makes you smile. And I was so happy for him, so happy for him. Um, he, he'll only get better from this now. And and for me, the ideal thing will be, and and take this in the context it's meant. I honestly hope that when Gabriel Jesus is fit again, he can't get in the side. I genuinely do, because that means that Eddie Nketiah has been on fire. You know what I mean? And 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 I think he's capable of doing it, Eddie, and I hope he shows all these doubters, me included at times. I just hope he shows all these doubters now with a run in the side and scores a few more goals like that. I, I'm so pleased for him. He was so good. And his work rate was up as well. In general, his work rate was up on the pitch. And it's interesting what, what Alex just said, right? We had Gabriel Jesus there watching with a, with a plaster with his leg in a brace, right? We've had Zinchenko there cheering the team on while he's been injured. This is all new. This is all different. It wasn't long ago where we had a player that if we were playing North for Watford, he'd suddenly get a bad back and cry off, and you wouldn't see him for six weeks, right? 
And he was allowed to do that for season after season after season. Not now. This is a different Arsenal. This is the Arsenal with a capital T, isn't it? So proud of Eddie. I drifted a bit. I do apologise, Fake. So proud of Eddie. No, no, no. It's, it's, Goal was brilliant. It, it's fine. Can, to be honest, the, 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 the thing that... On the Eddie, we'll, we'll go into Eddie a little bit more now and then we'll we'll finish off the game and, and there's some other bits I want to talk about about the game. But uh, the thing that Tupper summed up, Tony, did you see when, is it Kufal just literally bullied the hell out of Eddie on, the, on the, just around uh, the corner flag near near me. He pushed him and bullied him off the ball. It was just like, a, and, and Eddie Tupper stood there and went, oh, sorry, man. And and uh, Kufal went off. And I thought, if that was Thierry Henry, if that was many other players, they wouldn't have done, they would have been back up in his ear going, you F in this, you F, and, and clipping at his heels and giving him like, you know, don't do that to me again. And And, and I just thought, that's what this is again just before the get the, the goal. And I just thought that's where he misses that little bit of needle. I don't know if you saw the incident, did you? I, I didn't, mate, to be brutally honest. Um I, I can't think of the one you're talking about. Um Eddie's got a lot in his locker. Um, but I do agree that he needs to have a bit of um a bit of needle. fire in his belly at times. Yeah, a bit of needle because he's obviously got it. We know he can finish. Um the best part of that goal is is the movement. Um, a match of the day, I'm not normally big fans of theirs, but they, they summed up the movement pretty well. How he rolls him to the right, sets him, and then he rolls him to the left. It's an unbelievable turn. You know, it shouldn't be taken away just how good that movement is as a striker. The finish is great as well. Let's not take nothing away from Eddie. But the movement is unbelievable. And if he can replicate that and score, you know, five, six, seven goals in the next month, like Trev says, you don't want Gabriel Jesus to be just walking back in the team. You know, no one should just be walking okay. back in the team. And I think that's what, what Arteta's done, that you have to earn your place again. If you, you know, they, there's your shirt and you're in the starting eleven. You know, he's given a lot of people chances, people like Lakonga and, you know, Cedric, and they haven't taken that chance, which is why they're not getting as many minutes. Um, but, you know, good luck to Eddie at the end of the day. If he's doing if he's doing well when banging in the goals, then Arsenal are doing well. So, um, just, just on the point Trev made earlier about, obviously, how happy he is for him. He seems to be a really, really well-liked lad at Arsenal in KTA because even when he scored, Shaka was the first one to go up to him and give him a big kiss and whisper something in his ear as if to say, well done, son. You know, keep your head up. This is what you get when you get your chance. You take it, grab it with both hands. And I just feel that now there's very, very few clicks at Arsenal. You know, before we've seen for the last 10, 15 years, there's a, there's one a click. lot of clicks. There's one click. It's the Arsenal. Arsenal. Exactly. And it, it just, I don't know, it just... The unity is unbelievable. And I know we keep talking about you know you know that are, point but... where where Shaka went up. You know that point when Shaka went up and, and whispered in his ear. Yeah, um, yeah. Everyone they all cuddled around him, and you could hear on the yeah. on the on the match of the day they start going Eddie Eddie. North Bank starts going Eddie Eddie. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know who it was. It, they, they the, the players turned around and said, "Give him more, give him more." And you're talking about the connection earlier on about the way the players are connecting and and the unity among them and the connection between the fans. We we're talking about the Ashburton Army earlier as well. The connection between the fans. And the players and the twelfth man and everything else, Zinchenko warming up. It in, went in the, the first half when we and, all yes. he, and he's come on, let's get going, let's and he, get behind. To be it. fair to he's me, done it twice. He got the fans going and the fans did respond. And that's probably you know as we yes. keep saying, the unity and connection on and off the pitch around the place at the moment is just unbelievable. And we just we just need to keep going for a few more months. <laughs> Alex, Alex, on the Eddie uh, uh, topic, yeah, know, he said uh, 11, 11 starts, sixteen shots on target, eleven goals. That 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 stat, just even sixteen shots versus eleven goals, it's, it's a fantastic return on shots. That's clinical, yeah. Um, and I think just coming back to the point about Eddie, I think uh, it was just a huge relief for everyone in the team as well. You could just see they were so happy for him because. I mean, there was quite a bit of pressure. There, there are some big boots to fill. Um, Gabriel Jesus's. Um, but I mean, I didn't really think he needed that goal for me to be convinced of him because, like Trev said, he had a brilliant first half and he he did uh, so many things right and uh, he did it a couple couple of more times earlier in the game, uh, rolling his defender just uh, further down the pitch. Um, his work rate was immense. Even uh, at the very end, he was just pre uh, pressuring so hard. Um, so I, I didn't really feel he needed that goal, but 
it was relieving when it's, inter- it. it's interesting you say that you didn't feel he needed a goal, but I, I do think there was a huge element within the stadium. Even the, uh, the yeah. topic of debate at half time was Eddie, yeah. is he good enough? John Malone, who's watching us, uh, is not a huge fan of Eddie. And we were having a discussion about that as well. Um, so I, I was glad he got that goal just to vindicate himself. But there was a stat, uh, Trev, come to me on this. This stat just blew my mind. So we have got Baka, uh, Saka having 25 goals in 115 games. Eddie, uh, 115 starts. Eddie, 43 starts, 23 games. Uh, Martinelli, 57-15. Uh, Odegaard, 64-15. And Smithrow, 50-15. The, the, the productivity you're getting out of on front of goal... It's outstanding. And, and I know some of us think back to Forrest when he missed that header. And, you know, I, I talk about his lack of needle, street, whatever. But those figures don't lie, Trev. No, they don't. He's a, he's a striker. He's a striker. And he's, maybe them figures are telling us that he's been better than we thought he was. And uh, now he's actually showing us. It's, it's one game. He's coming and he's had one game. And I'm getting really excited when I know I shouldn't because there's a lot more games to go. But I can't help it because I thought that his all-round game, as well as his goal, as I said earlier, and I'll repeat myself, before he scored the goal, I thought to myself, you're playing really well, Eddie. You deserve a goal here. You're putting yourself about. You're getting in the right positions. You deserve a goal. Please score. And then he went and scored. So, yeah, you can't. We can't. I can't give him any higher praise than, than that, Fergus. And... Uh, his figures are showing he's a striker, and long may he continue yeah. to score them goals for the Arsenal. How old is he now, boys? How old's Eddie? He's 21, 24, 25. I, yeah, bet he's he's old, I, 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 I bet he's older than you think he is. I bet he's about 24. Yeah. 23 okay. years. Is that what he is? 23. Yeah, 23. Do you not find with Eddie just to, you know, I don't want to knock him too much, but there was moments in the first half where he just doesn't choose the right pass or, or doesn't. There was a moment where he could have played the one-two and he tries to go alone and loses the ball. Now, he'd done that a couple of times again and it frustrates me with Nketiah. But as soon as he scored, that last 15, 20 minutes, he was tracking back, winning the ball, playing the one-twos. It's almost as if... He's very uh, much a confidence uh, player. A, a, a weight had got lifted off his shoulder and he was able just to relax and let, let his feet do the talking. Yeah. Now, I need him to do, or we all need him to do that from the start. Rather than just... Yes, we all want him to score. And yes, as a striker, he wants to score. But it is a team game. And when you look at Saka and Martinelli and Jesus and the goals being shared around, if Nketiah plays well and Arsenal win, he's still done his job. You know, if he gets an assist, he's still done his job. Obviously, if he's one-on-one with a keeper, I don't always expect him to pass. But when you're in and around the box and there's three or four defenders, look up. You've seen you've seen the productivity from, from the wide players in Martinelli and Saka and what they can do. You know, a one-two with them, you know, cross into the box. And if you're there, you get your little poacher's goal. I just think sometimes he's just got to release that ball or just let, let his feet do the talking a bit more rather than trying to be too greedy uh, and too too desperate to score. You know, he needs, he needs to just relax a bit more and, and play like he did for the last 25 minutes on, on Monday. Um, yeah, I couldn't disagree. I, I couldn't agree more. Sorry, not disagree. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. One thing that we might disagree on is, um, maybe not, the man of the match, just to finish up on the game, uh, the Premier League gave it to Martin Odegaard. I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was everywhere. Um, I'm with um, with Trev and going uh, Ben White because I thought he was a man possessed, a man with a, a point to prove. Uh, you mentioned about Southgate in the World Cup. I'm sure that was in the back of his mind. And you could clearly see that. He's got a point to prove. This is what you missed. Tony, who are you going as your man of the match? If if I'm, you know, I'm going to get splinters up my arse now. I, I did have Ben <laughs> White and I did have Odegaard. Um, I just think that when Odegaard is really on song, he makes us tick. For all the good of, of you know, Ben White, party, you know, all the other players, Saka Martinelli, Odegaard makes his tick. He, he's an absolute maestro. And I questioned us signing him, spending 30 million. I put a tweet out saying if it was, you know, a straight straight 60 million, I think it was the original price that we, we were looking at. And I, I said, I'd rather sign James Madison. If it's a straight 60 million, 60 million, um, the blokes just proved me wrong. I thought he was a good player, Odegaard. I now think he's an unreal player. Um, not just because of his technical ability, just because of his work rate. He's got the lot. And at 24... He's happy. He's found somewhere he can call home. I just think he's going to continue to grow. And I think he ain't going to ever be a Keane or Vieira type captain. 
I think what he does is leads by example. On and off the pitch, he absolutely loves the clubs there. He's finally found somewhere to call home. And I, I just think his best years are ahead of him. I, I generally love the bloke. Yeah. Uh, there's not too many Scandinavians that I like. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> so you got to, you, <laughs> Alex Scandi. <laughs> what, yeah. What was your What was your man of the match? I have to give it to Odegaard, not just because he's Scandinavian, but um, he just had a brilliant game and he had um, the two assists as well. Um, and just he just made me happy watching watching that game. The nutmeg he did on Paqueta as well that was just naughty. Oh, um, yes, that made me Reverse stand up. And just, yeah, and yeah, there were two people pressuring him. Um, no, he was just incredible. And um, like uh, Tony said, he's got the Ozil playmaking abilities and the work rate of N'Golo Kante. And yeah, I just I just feel we're so, so lucky we got him for the price as well. Uh, 30 million for one of the best players in the world right now. It's just crazy. Was it 30 million straight, Alex? Or was there any add-ons to that? Did we have any add-ons? Because I thought we were just 30 million straight. Hopefully. Because we'd already paid, 20, we'd paid 25 million in loan fees and wages and everything else. Probably, before, so yeah. I think the net <laughs> figure is 55. <laughs> I think it was th- yeah thirty five or thirty um, in total, which like is crazy. Said, and then you fact- factor in the Su- factor in the Sabias money on top of that as well. So you know another fifteen million wasted on Sabias as well. Um, Trev, uh, <laughs> last Nick, Nick last thing to talk about that. <laughs> last thing to talk about um, on on the game. Uh, well, it's not the game. It's uh, who turned up at the game. Um, the the professor turned up. Um, one of our greatest ever managers. Uh, I know the the, the the departure could have been at different times with different people, but it was a pleasure to have Arsene Wenger back in the stands to see us perform like we did and play Wenger ball to a certain degree uh, in the style of football that we we're playing. He was given a rousing reception. Uh, the crowd sang one Arsene Wenger and 49-49 undefeated time and time again for him. And at the end, as we're leaving, they all send one Arsene Wenger. And I understand, it's nothing been said by the club, but I understand he will have some other ambassadorial role um, with the club. I don't know for how many, but I do know of one game in particular. Um, it's a big game. And I'm hoping we won't be walking out after 63 minutes uh, this time around. Um, uh, Wenger should be representing the club as an ambassador for the Arsenal. Uh, there. Um, what was your what was your thoughts on uh, on the Wenger appearance? Ferg, Ferg, listen, I love talking about Wenger, but listening to I've just got to sum up what yourself and Tony and Alex just said, mate, about the about the Arsenal team because it, it's so important that, that we realise we spoke about Eddie and scoring goals. Well, Eddie is going to score goals because it's, as we just said, we've got Odegaard who's just developed into this amazing player who can find a ball. You know, we've got Odegaard. Fantastic. We've got Granit Xhaka playing more forward than he has done, and he's getting more involved in moving the ball forward and, and getting in these positions. We've got we've got Bukayo Saka, the world's his oyster. How we hang on to Bukayo Saka, we need to hang on to him dearly. The world's his oyster. He's, he's so good. And then we've got Martinelli who can cross the ball. You know, we've got Ed, we've still got Emil Smith Rowe to come back in, you know. We've got t- attacking fullbacks. Eddie will score goals with that team. It's just wonderful, wonderful. But moving on to Wenger, mate, look, it was I, I was gutted that I wasn't there to see Arsene return to Arsenal, right? Absolutely gutted. Going back to when he left, I think I, I thought that he left he stayed too long and, and he and he, people have worked him out and 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 he should have gone earlier. But the day he left Arsenal, I was petrified. Because we'd had all the plane flying over and all that rubbish. I was so worried that he wasn't going to get a good send-off, right? But he did. He did. People appreciate him for what he'd done. And when he, I think he's played a blinder keeping away. I think he's played an absolute blinder keeping away. And waiting his time, biding his time, and then just appearing again in the background. It was wonderful to see him. It was wonderful to hear the crowd saying Arsene Wenger's name. I, I've said it before. I want to see a statue of Arsene, but I want to see him sitting on a bench with Chapman and Bertie Mee and George Graham. I want to see them all sitting on a bench having a chat. I think that would be just the most amazing thing for people to come and see. He's he's, he's, he's the greatest. You know, I never saw Chapman. George Graham and and Arsene Wenger done wonders for the Arsenal. But Wenger moved us and, 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 you know, I I, I can't speak too highly of him. 
He should have gone earlier. I'm not denying that, but what a man. What a man. And he's come back. Right. I just hope now, right, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, I just hope now we don't go and lose a couple of games and all these people will be blaming Wenger for bloody coming back. You know what I mean? Uh, you, don't you know? Yeah. Twitter's a, a wonderful place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The game finished 3-1 uh, to, to the Arsenal. And uh, we go on again. Our next game is uh, Brighton away. Trevor, you're down there with Terry, who's in the chat, and uh, Kappa Dan. Um, some of the stats that we've got leading up to that game. So head-to-head over 10 games, Arsenal have won three and Brighton have won four. So, you know, at, at Brighton. So it's not going to be an easy trip. Um, you were there last time in October, Trevor. This, the, the rain was coming sideways uh, uh, or head-on uh, in, into you. And you're getting soaked. It was 2nd October. And I think it was a, wasn't it a nil-nil. Um, and you got players like uh, uh, Tossard. Uh, he's their top scorer, and he's, he's actually scored more goals than than Saka. He's on seven goals, and and Saka. Um, Trevor, you looking forward to going? I'm very much looking forward to going. It was, it was, it makes me laugh last time, right? Because that rain was—I've never seen rain like it, like we had in Brighton last time. And I was shacked up in a little pub on the seafront, all cosy. And Terry said, "Me mate, Terry said I'll walk down and meet you." Well, he walks in. I've never seen anyone so wet in all my life, right? He was absolutely drowned. I said to him, do you want a pint? He went, no, I don't. And I've never known him turn a pint down. But when we we always struggle against Brighton. We all never seem to play our very best against Brighton. They seem to have a way about them of, make, of bringing us down a level, you know. Um, and it was a horrible game. It was a horrible game last time against Brighton. But we're not that side anymore. We're a much better side. And... I can't see us doing anything but win against Brighton and win handsomely, Fergus, if I'm honest. Uh, Tony, there's some results from the last games. Obviously, Arsenal lost 2-1 in that horrible little slump that we had at the end of last season. Um, uh, and, and the nil-nil that uh, Trevor's on about in October. Uh, and then uh, we, we beat them at home and then we won it. So, you know, it's a bit, bit of a mixed bag. Tony, what's your what's your thoughts on the game? If I'm honest, mate, I, I tweeted saying the other day because someone or, or replied to a tweet because someone said next four or five games, how many points would you you know would you want to get? And everyone's going 10, 12, this and that. And I was like, listen, this ain't FIFA. You know, you've got Brighton away, always a tricky place. Never, it's never easy for anyone to go there. You know, City are found that we found it. You know, there's plenty of teams who have struggled there. You've then got Newcastle at home. You've then got Tottenham away. We've got some tricky games coming up. Um, and I just, I just said, look, this, this ain't FIFA. You know, this, you know, football's not played on paper. Take each game as it comes. Let's concentrate on Brighton. Let's go there. We're full of confidence, full of belief. But let's not do nothing stupid. You know, it, people go up oh, a point. You know, a, 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 a crap result. Well, over the course of a season, a point ain't that bad. Obviously, I want to win. But if we was to go and get a point, it's not the end of the world. You know, you, there's just got to be a little bit of perspective and 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 sort of reality on, on these games. We're not going to be able to win every single game. You know, there's a lot of games still to come. We're not going to be able to win every one of them. Um, but the team's full of confidence. The team's full of, you know, belief, um, great form. You know, why can't we go and win? But let's just not do nothing stupid. Let's let's give Brighton the utmost respect. They're a good side, good footballing side. And they've got, they're a bit of a bogey team to us. So, you know, mm. I don't want us to go there with any arrogance. Score prediction then, Tony? 2-1 Arsenal. Trev, your score prediction? Do you know what? I'm I'm going, I'm doing exactly the opposite of Tony. And believe it or not, Tony's speaking sense, but I'm not listening. I'm going 3-0 to the Arsenal. Okay. That uh, happens Alex... and I'll buy you a pint the next time I see you. All right, mate. <laughs> Alex, your, your, your thoughts on the game and, and, and your score prediction? Yeah, I hope for a win as well because the last time I saw Arsenal versus Brighton, that was when the first time we met each other in the pub, uh, and Arsenal lost two one. Um, so I'll go for the, for a reverse this this time. So I hope Arsenal will win two one, like like Tony. I'm going for a two 0 to the Arsenal. Um, I just think we're on a bit of a crest of a wave. I might have just been a bit blinkered, but I, I just think. We've we've had quite a few teams that uh, quite a few players who didn't have a huge number of minutes in the World Cup. Uh, I think of all the top teams, uh, we had the least number of minutes. Although when you look at like Saliba, which Alex talked about him being a bit rusty because he wasn't playing game time, and the other players who've had made mistakes 
for other teams that gone to the World Cup are the ones that sat in the squad. Look at um, what's his Calvin Phillips is uh, unfit to play according to <laughs> Pep. So, so th- yeah, he's a fatty. So you know th- th- that can play in your hands and against your hands. But I think um, about Trev, we had enough players. <laughs> we had, he's wearing black, so slimming apparently. Um, but um, so yeah, I got two 0 Arsenal. Um, the key key games in January, like January, this game finishes the year off. It'd be nice to finish with a win. Uh, we'll be on top of the league regardless of what happens um, when we meet Newcastle. But you're looking into January, and you've got Newcastle at home. We got Tottenham away, and Manchester United at home. I think by the end of that, we can start seeing. You know, and now you're going to believe us and stuff. We, we we can start thinking a little bit further. I do know we haven't played City at all and we play them on the 15th of February and we owe them a hiding. We do owe them a hiding, Trev. Ferg, listen, right? We, we Yeah, we do. We, we should have beaten them, shouldn't we, last season? But Ferg, you know, Newcastle have only lost one game all season. They've drawn six, mm. but they've only lost one game all season. So that's the game I don't mind us getting a draw from, with the greatest respect. Get a draw from Newcastle if we have to, but I want I want us to beat I want us to beat Brighton and I want us to beat Brighton badly. And James Power has just nailed it. He's just absolutely nailed it. Looking at where we are and where we've come from and the progress we've made, no other team in the league, City included, Liverpool included, should be scaring us at the moment. None of them should scare us, and they won't. Our players won't be scared. I was impressed watching uh, City. I watched some of the game last night against Leeds. Um, I, I think Leeds were were rabbit and headlights to a certain degree, but they they did look quite strong. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm so looking forward to that game. If we're we're still in there or thereabouts, or even ahead of City when we beat them, uh, when we beat them, I've just uh, that was a fraudulent slip. But um, when we meet them on the 15th of February, ah, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll be like a dog with two dicks. Honestly, it's it, it's unreal. Folk, can I just come in on that? Um, Trev mentioned earlier on that obviously he doesn't think we're gonna we're gonna win the league. Um, is that purely because of us in the last ten years and not being the way we've been and capitulated, or is that purely because of City's firepower? What you mean? You mean why do I think why do I think we've got a chance of winning the league, Tom? No, you mentioned earlier, obviously, about you're not sure. Obviously, we still may not win the league, etc., etc. Your doubt there is that because we haven't done it for so long, or just purely because of City's firepower? Uh, Mine's the latter. I think what it is, Tony, is just that deep down, I do think we've got a great chance of winning the league, but I'm scared of getting too ahead of myself. I don't want to build it up too much in my head because. I really do. Get, and Fergus will tell you this, right? I, 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 I'm when I'm at games, I bet I rarely see the end of a game. I get that nervous. I go down on the concourse, you know, and have a beer and watch it on the telly. I, I, I'm, I'm 60 years old, and I'm like a four-year-old kid at his first game. I can't handle it, Tony. So I do think that we've got all the tools to win the league. I think they're all in place, right? Whether they need another year or two's development, I don't know. But I think what it is, it's just in the head. I don't want to say, I don't want to put it out there that I think we can win the league. When You, you know what? I, I, I'm with you. We've got a great shout. I think we've got a great shout. I really do. I'm a, I'm, I'm with you, Tony, as I think it. if anything is going to let us down, it's going to be the, the lack of uh, options in the squad, not necessarily squad depth, because we have got you know, replacement players and we got utility players that can move around and Jenko can play in different places, Shaka, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that's the thing that will let us down where City have got two or three players in every position and world-class players in, it, in every position. But you have to look back at Leicester. You have to look back at even 98 uh, and, 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 and go back to many other seasons. It's the rolling stone. It's it's the momentum, and once you get that momentum, you talked about the belief among the the, the players, and and we can see it. It, it. Like you know, I have not seen since I I've been going to the stadium as a season ticket holder for ten eleven years. Been going to games since ninety nine, so for twenty odd years, um, and okay, I didn't experience the Invincibles as much as you guys would have because not being able to go, I'd watch it on telly. But I've not seen a squad or a team with this sort of unity. Um, bar maybe, it sounds a stupid analogy, but an Ireland team at the World Cup where they don't necessarily have the talent, but they've got the belief, they've got the heart. And I think that's what this Arsenal have got at the minute. And 
I think they've got talent. The talent. I, think yeah. I think it's the little bit of experience we lack, and this is why January is going to be so crucial because I mean, for anyone that watched the City game, you see the players they brought on. Foden. I mean, it's just yes. you know, Cancelo. it's unbelievable the squad. I think if we keep everybody fit, I generally believe we can do it. But the questions is if we get a couple of injuries, I think we need two or three players just to bolster our squad up. Um, obviously, we're linked with every man in his dog. There looks like one person that looks like he is going to come in. He's doing everything he can to to, to get signed by Arsenal, which adds... I wanted adds, badly to Which, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen glimpses of him, mate. I haven't seen loads of him. I've seen him in the Champions League. He looks an unbelievable player. He's literally doing everything he can to sign for Arsenal. He cannot make it any more obvious. He's twerking he's for us. Yeah, he's literally putting his pants down on Instagram and saying, please come and get me. Um, if we get him, that's great. That adds to us. Um, I, I still think we maybe need just that plan B striker. If we go somewhere there... Yeah, what, what happens robust. if Eddie gets injured? <clears throat> What happens if Eddie uh, gets injured now? Uh, We're absolutely. You, we, we could always say ifs, buts, and maybes, etc. But I, I mean, I do think we need a plan B, plan B striker, and I don't want to use him too much. But that Juru esque type, as in not yeah. necessarily the quickest, we can hold the ball up, win the flick ons, get the last, you know, the goals, etc. I think every I look, in a dream world, Ivan Tony would be the one I'd sign, but that's not going to happen um, for for various. It's reasons, not for all the reasons that yeah, yeah. Money and, and obviously you know things that are going on in, in, in you know what I don't think it's the money I think if if, if the money could be negotiated with Ivan Tony it's the other stuff that's going on around Ivan Tony and yeah, yeah. that completely put the club off but talking about signings do you think that we've got to be very very careful who we bring in not to set the apple uh, upset the apple cart well that's no, the, I don't know if you watched the Carragher interview um he he said with we'll Monday be night football that was on Wednesday yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, it's Christmas. It doesn't matter. You can, every day is Monday at Christmas. Um, but uh, the the, the um, Arteta said that the key to whoever they bring in has to fit with the the ethos of the club, the attitude of the club. They want have to want to be there. They can't just be on a on a paycheck. We've had enough of those go through the door, and they spent so long getting rid of all that problem. So whoever comes in has to be of the right caliber. And it's not about fully, necessarily their playing skills. I fully expect them to have done their diligence on, on any player we, we we sign. I think Edu and Arteta have learned from William. I think that was one of the best transfers we've made because they got their fingers burned. And since then, everything's been... You, you can't argue what the club have done. Um, you know, it's a yeah. signing that, that wasn't good for player or club. And since then, everything's gone right. And we've got this this whole... You know, do you know what you saw? You just changing subject, what you saying about Wenger being at the club the other day. It was really good to see Josh and Stan Kroenke there as well. You know, for, for for all the faults they've done since that protest, they have listened to fans and they have learned their lesson. Hopefully, for the long term, but certainly for the short term after that protest, they have improved. And you know, we give them mm. all the criticism in the world. We've also got, got to give them a little bit of plaudits as well to say that you know what you've got a lot of things wrong, but the last eighteen months or so, you've got things right. Not right, Trev. Not, final words. It's it's really I've really enjoyed tonight listening to to Tony and Alex and yourself, mate, as well. In that, I keep referring back to to where we were a few years ago. But you have to when you've got a team as good as we've got now. People are going to make comparisons, me included. The, we're in a we're in a great position now because we're that good. Players are going to want to come to us. The likes of Mudrick wouldn't want to be Mudrick, however you pronounce it. Mudrick wouldn't have been pulling his pants down to come to us two or three seasons ago. He wants to come and join us because he knows where he's coming, what he's coming to. He knows he's coming to a club that's not only successful, but only going to get more successful with the squad we've got. And it's lovely to see. And Arteta, what he said about this January transfer window, it wasn't new stuff. He said it last January transfer window when he stuck his feet in and against everybody's opinions, he, he signed absolutely no one because he said he couldn't find anybody that was going to improve what we had. And I love that. I love that. And he's saying it again now. Hopefully, we'll find a couple of players this time that are going to come in and be good enough to play for the Arsenal. And trust me, they've got to be good to fit in where we are now. Guys, um, thank you very much for joining us. Anybody who's watching us, if you like what we do, click the like button and, and also click that bell and subscribe. It's nearly wait, 800. Wait. Uh, Ferg, I've got to ask you a question. Here we go. Ferg. No, listen, you asked us three. I've got to ask you this question now. Just before you go, I wanted to get in before you said that, and I do humbly apologise, sir. Do you think we can win the league, Ferg? 
I think I'd, I'd have answered that. Um, yes, I'm, I'm upset. I'm with Tony. I just think I worry that City have got that bit extra firepower than us, and that's that. That's the only thing. I, I do think that we've got the belief. I think we've got the the, the right attitude. Would have loved to see us to win the league. I've not seen us win the league while being a season ticket holder. I'd, I'd have a weekend. I'd just wipe a week off, honestly. It just would be unreal, unreal. I'd end up doing a week in hospital afterwards. You know what my guts are like. But, oh, Jesus, it'd be worth every penny. It'd be worth it. Unreal, unreal. Um, can we Thanks. win it? Of course we can week, win it, Trev. We'll... It's not a week, son, when you win it. It's not a week. Plan for longer, Fergus. Plan for longer. <laughs> can we win it? Yes, we can. Will we win it? I don't know. There's the answer to your question. Imagine Listen, winning the league saying, in the year that Harry Kane fucked up his country's chance of winning the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Gimme, gimme, gimme a retard from Tottenham. Fucked up the World Cup and his name's Harry Kane. Give me, give me, give me a retard from Tottenham. Fucked up the World Cup and his name's Harry Kane. <laughs> Love it. Love it. You've got a little bit red there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect you to do that. <laughs> you are gone scarlet. Your face is uh, as red as red, red's an Arsenal yeah. shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm not. I'm not the inventor. To be fair, I can't take the credit for that. It's uh, it's the other George in the group. He uh, he came up with that and. Uh, well, the only the only obviously transport to get down to Arsenal Monday was uh, we had to hire a taxi, and when it turned up, it was like a disco tick. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, guys, brilliant. I'm gonna love you and leave you. Thank you very much for joining us. Always, as I was saying before, uh, I was uh, interrupted by uh, Hilsey. If you like what we do, click the like button, click the subscribe. We're up to nearly 800 subscribers. We do this for fun. Uh, we don't do it for any other reason. Tony, go away. Um, we do no, this no, for no, fun. You got, wish, you got wish all the listeners a happy New Year. You miss I am going bit. to. Oh, I've got it down here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Tony's stolen my thunder. Um, uh, Happy New Year. Um, it's the year that we're going to win the league. So uh, let's, let's, before we go, let's just go with a bit of... Guns and Ribbons, and remember to rate and review us too.